Welcome to the Redeemer Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that you are blessed as you join us in walking through the Word of God together. To learn more about our ministry in St. Albans, Vermont, please visit RedeemerChurchBT.com. passage today uh, from Genesis 35 verses 1 through 15 and I'll read the passage and then when I get finished I'll say this is the word of the Lord and you can respond by saying thanks be to God. So chapter 35, God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make an altar to the God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them. And so they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alam Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again, and when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him, and God said to him, Your name is Jacob, no longer shall your, na- your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall, call- shall be your name. And so he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall, become- shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offering, offspring after you. Then God went from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. And so Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. My name is uh, Camden. I am one of the pastors at uh, New King Church in South Burlington. Um, and so it's, it's great to be with you here this morning. You guys are in our thoughts and, and prayers a lot, so it's, it's good to actually be here uh, for a service with you. Uh, the last time I was here, I was speaking as well, and I was telling my wife, Carrie, that really want to come back and just sit in a service one of these days and just soak it in with you all. Uh, so we'll have to, to work on making that happen. But um, we have been going through uh, the book of Genesis at New King Church, and I, I think you've been going through the book of Hebrews um, here. So this is going to be sort of a, um, a one-week detour into Genesis, but there is a lot of connection between Genesis and Hebrews, so um, maybe this won't be such a bad thing. Um, we're going to be focusing today on uh, the life of, of Jacob, and as this passage kind of spoke about, uh, this place that Jacob, that God calls Jacob to, Bethel, which means the house of God, um, is a place that uh, is very important to, to Jacob from his past. So I just want to give that little bit of um, 
a backdrop to this. Uh, if you know that the story of Abraham and Isaac and, and now Jacob, Abraham was called out from a land of idolatry to a new land that God promised him, and God promised to uh, make his descendants very great, and that he was, they were going to be God's people, uh, Israel. And uh, went from Abraham to Isaac, and then Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Esau was, was born first, and he was the, the bigger and the stronger one. And, and because he was born first, they were twins, so probably just minutes before, but because he was born first, he was the firstborn. He would become the patriarch of the family. He would receive all of the blessings that came down from Abraham and Isaac. Uh, but Jacob made up for what he lacked in, in maybe stature and in bulk with some cunning and, and deception. And he was able to get that birthright away from his brother Esau, meaning that he jumped over Esau and now he would become the patriarch of the family. And then he also tricked and got the blessing as well. And his brother Esau was furious with him, said to the point that he hated him, he wanted to kill him. And Jacob was sent away so that he could uh, survive. And for the first time, probably being off from home all by himself, out in the middle of nowhere, he spends the night in the dark and God appears to him. And he sees that ladder from heaven that we call Jacob's ladder. And God gives him promises, says that he will bring Jacob back safely to this land again, and that he will have many descendants, just like the promises that were given to Abraham and to Isaac. And now, many, many years later, over 20 years later, Jacob is, is married, he has a family, he has many possessions, and the turmoil, a lot of it that he has caused in his own life, is really uh, catching up with him. And God calls Jacob to come back to Bethel, this place out in the middle of nowhere. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, is this thought of, of spiritual renewal, this renewal that, that Jacob needs. God doesn't call Jacob to this place to correct him. He knows what Jacob needs in that moment, and he calls him back to Bethel, back to the house of God so that he can renew him. So let's pray, and we will uh, dive into this passage this morning. Lord, we thank you uh, for this, this crisp, beautiful day, this opportunity to come to your house and, and worship you, to, uh, to see other believers. Lord, I just thank you for this church, for this group, and Lord, I pray that you would use your word this morning in a, in a very powerful way uh, in our lives. I know that this truth has, has really spoken to me and continues to, to speak to me. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use it in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In 1953, my uh, grandmother, Eucile Benson, was a, uh, a newly graduated nurse living in Minnesota, and she had an adventurous streak and moved all the way up into uh, Alaska, which wasn't even a state at the time. It was just the, the territory of Alaska. And she moved out to uh, this little village that just had this primitive hospital and, uh, and worked out there as a nurse. And around the same time, uh, my, what would become my grandfather, Robert Olney, <laughs> this, um, this young uh, Air Force recruit from uh, Michigan, 
who thought that he was going to get sent over to Korea, ended up getting sent up to the same little village in Alaska as part of the uh, Cold War defense against Russia. And in this little village in Alaska, they, they met and, and fell in love. Um, they moved out uh, and traveled all across the country. My grandpa became a, an engineer and was involved in, in many uh, engineering projects of the day. And uh, they eventually settled in Alaska again and, and had children. And for their 40th anniversary, their kids got together and sent them back to this little village that they first met in so that they could uh, just have a day of, um, of reminiscing about where it all began. And the name of that little village in Alaska is Bethel, Alaska, up on the west coast uh, of Alaska there. And, and I tell that story to just kind of get us into this headspace of, of, of where God kind of led me with this passage, this idea of, of coming back, of remembering things, and having this time of, of renewal. Uh, Bethel, Alaska, to this day, is not a destination that anyone would go for a, a romantic weekend. It's still just a little village with... Um, little planes that come in and out. There's no nice restaurants or anything like that. But it was very meaningful to them because that's where it all began for them. And similarly, God calling Jacob to Bethel, even though it's just a nowhere place, was very important for him to remember and to uh, think about God's promises afresh and anew, even after so much had happened with him in his life. You know, uh, similarly in, in our lives, they can feel like a roller coaster, right? Some, some great highs, but a lot of sort of lows, a lot of exhaustion. And sometimes we, our depleted souls just push on day after day. Maybe we try to experience some spiritual renewal vicariously through other people, listening to sermons and podcasts, seeing it happen in someone else's life, but not truly having it happen in our lives. That is not God's design. That leaves our souls unsatisfied. And then we start turning and looking for other things to, for that satisfaction. But God's design is for us to live life with him at his pace and constantly feeling God's work of renewal in our lives. There's a couple passages I want to read quickly that, that, that speak to this. In, in Psalm 46, in verse 1, in verses 10 and 11, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 84 in verse 4, 5, and, and 7 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength. That, that is often not a description of my life. I'm not going from strength to strength to strength. Going maybe from strength to exhaustion to crash and then maybe to strength, or maybe just back to exhaustion, and then back to crash again. But that's, this is not God's design for us. God wants us to be continually renewed so that we can go from strength to strength. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They're not always going to be running, sometimes just going to be walking, but never fainting, never reaching that point of, of crash and burn. Before that happens, coming back and experiencing God's renewal. Too often those passages are not uh, a description of, of my life. And when we look at, at Genesis um, 34, coming into Genesis 35, Jacob is, is at a point of exhaustion, and he, and he kind of stops short of where God wanted him to go, and the, the results are disastrous. So let me just give a little bit of, of the backstory of what's going on in, in Jacob's life at this time. Uh, Jacob had gone on from Bethel, like I was mentioning before, and he went to, to live with some family, and uh, his uncle Laban that he lived with was even more... Um, deceptive than he was. And over time, that, that relationship began to deteriorate, and he began to cheat Jacob out of his wages. And, and um, that relationship got to the point that, that Jacob heard a word from the Lord telling him to go back to the land where his father Isaac was. And he didn't even tell his uncle that he was leaving and just ran away and tried to push his, his family and his herds as fast as he could. But his uncle Laban caught up with him and they have this heated confrontation. And the only reason Jacob doesn't have any harm from that is because God intervenes in that situation. And Jacob goes right from that, and he begins to enter the land of Canaan again, heading in the right direction. And he hears that his brother Esau, who he last saw in a, a state of rage, wanting to kill him, his, he hears that his brother Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. Seems a little excessive for a family get-together. And he is just, Jacob is just sure that his brother is going to kill him. And he pleads with God for protection. And in, in Genesis 32, we see uh, Jacob actually wrestling with God over this and, and asking God to protect him and to, to give him a blessing of, of security. And at, coming out of that interaction with God, Jacob is exhausted. He goes right into meeting with his brother Esau, who doesn't wish him any harm any longer, and Jacob is spared from that again. And Jacob, instead of traveling the rest of the way to see his father Isaac, he just sets up shop right around where he is. And in Genesis 34, we see that he actually builds a house and pens for his animals, and he's planning to just stay where he's at for a while. But that ends in disaster, and the people all around him end up wanting to kill him and his family. And we see that in, uh, in verse uh, 5 of Genesis 35, the only reason they don't is because, again, God intervenes in a miraculous way for Jacob. So Jacob has all of these life and death situations that he is working through, and also he's, he's heading into a time of, of great loss. We see in, in verse 8 of chapter 35, that Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, who isn't a big part of the story of Genesis, but someone who is obviously very close to Jacob dies. And right after the passage that, that we read in verse 16, Jacob's wife, Rachel, dies. And then at the end of chapter 36, Jacob gets back to see his father Isaac, and his father passes away as well. 
And not only does that last death very difficult, but that also means that Jacob is now the patriarch of his family and is pushed into a new stage of his life. And it's in the midst of all of these things that are going on in Jacob's life that God calls Jacob back to Bethel to have this time of renewal, a place for him to renew his strength and faith, to remember God's faithfulness and promises. And there's a few things that I'd like to to pull out of this chapter for us this morning that I feel like we can really apply it in our lives. And the first thing is that it is God that reaches out to Jacob. The story of the Bible really is is a story of, of God creating humanity and then being separated from humanity by sin. And even though we constantly give God so many reasons to just reject us for the last time, God continually reaches out to his creation. And in this story, God is the one who initiates this interaction with Jacob. Genesis 34 is a a very dark chapter, and the name of God is not mentioned in it at all. And we see God insert himself into Jacob's life again and call Jacob to this time of renewal. It's so easy to want to jump right to the things that we can do. If if I see two Christian books on the shelf and one of them is about resting in God and the other is five things that you can do to see victory in your life, that's the book that I'm going to want to go for. That's That's just the way a lot of us are wired. But here we see that it is God who initiates this interaction with Jacob. If we are going to truly rest and be renewed by God, we have to trust that he is the one that is working. Even on the days or weeks that we don't feel like we were able to put in enough of an effort, God is the one that is working. And when we get that straight, we can rest in God and in the work that he is doing, and then we can enter into his work with him. When we get into this mentality that we have to do more and and we have to make everything happen, we immediately get into trouble because we can never really do enough, can we? Can we ever outserve God? Can we ever give too much, pray too much? We ever had a week where we thought, you know what, I've I've just done a little too much Bible study this week. I should probably hold off on this next week. No, so so what what is it? What is the balance there? There's a uh, a famous uh, poem by C.T. Studd, and one of the lines in there, he says, uh, there's only one life, it will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. And it's a, it's a great uh, quote, but I think it can be improved in, in a meaningful way by changing one of those words. Only what's done with Christ will last. There's so much busy work that is done for God by exhausted, empty souls. And even worse, many terrible things have been done and said for God, but not with God. One of the most sobering passages in the Bible to me is is Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, where Jesus says that many people, many people will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many mighty works in your name? And he'll say, sorry, I never knew you. 
You thought that you were doing those things for me, but you definitely weren't doing those things with me. Contrast that with Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who, who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. There is work for us to do, but when we do it with Christ, when we are in the yoke with him, we have to do it at his pace, and we'll learn about him while we're doing it. He says, you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Even in the midst of working for God, when we are doing it with him, he will provide the rest for our souls that we need. If we're going to experience God's renewal and restorative work in our life, we have to acknowledge that God is the one who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. And once we can trust that, we can go forward with Christ, working with him in his pace, in his timing. So we see that God is the the one who reached out to Jacob, and now we get to the part that we can do. We see that Jacob prepares to meet God. This restorative work that God is doing is, is a work of God, but Jacob takes some steps in order to Uh, enter into this work with God. Uh, We see that um, Jacob tries to be receptive and compliant and prepare himself and his household for this meeting with God. And I I see two ways, really, that that Jacob does that. And the first is that he removes all the idols from his household. Jacob is coming back from a land that was steeped in idolatry and from a family, his, his uncle Laden, who was, uh, who was steeped in idolatry as well. And some of those idols made it all this way with him, with his family and his household. In fact, we see that uh, his wife Rachel had actually stolen some of the idols from Laban, her father, and had brought those with her. And we don't know exactly why, it says that they were the, the household idols. Maybe they were just very valuable. Maybe this was something that, uh, that she remembered all through her childhood growing up and had never really been away from. And even though she is trusting in God, she thought, maybe I'll just bring these just as sort of a, a backup, just in case. Whatever it was, Jacob, who had been passive about the fact that these idols were in his household, takes this opportunity to remove them all. Now, for most of us, you know, there's definitely Eastern mysticism is alive and well in in the U.S. today, but for most of us, it's probably not um, mysticism or or Buddha that that we have to deal with. But there's a a verse in Isaiah 46 and verse 5 where God is talking to the people of Israel and is addressing the fact that they have uh, idols amongst them. And he asked them this question, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? When you use that, that question from God and apply it to idolatry, it can become many things that we may have in our lives. What is it that, that we're bringing with us into our time with God that does not belong there? Are we not being receptive to God's 
work of renewal because we can't accept things that he's allowed into our life or we can't accept the fact that he's not giving us something that we want or not giving it to us in the time frame that we want it. Those things in our life that we have compared to God and made equal to God, maybe for our own security and comfort. You know, in America today, we have so much insurance and insurance on top of our insurance and insurance to cover the gaps in our insurance. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I have plenty of insurance. But we value our safety and security to such a point that we can rely on that instead of truly trusting in God. What are we elevating to a place of importance that rivals God? What are we so worried and anxious about happening that we're not able to rest in God? Maybe that's even, even our children, wanting the best for them to the point of expecting them to be in a certain place and to have certain things, and then and when we're not able to do that or when they don't do the things that we wish that they would, it causes us to have anxiety and worry. Whatever it is, we need to get things back into the right priority so that we can truly rest in God. Now, if your kids have become your idol, you don't need to get rid of them. Uh, that's, that's not what we're trying to say here. But we do need to prioritize the things in the right. You don't have to go home and say, sorry, kids. Mommy and Daddy made you idols, so you guys got to go. Now, we see in, in Isaiah chapter 30, we see uh, God talking again to Israel about their, their idolatry and, and gives them uh, some steps for, um, for getting rid of idols. So let's just, there's a few verses here. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 30, and, and we'll pick up in, in verse 15. And it says, for, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, no, we will flee upon horses. Therefore, you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore, your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee, till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on the hill. You see this, this picture here. God is saying, in returning to me and in quietness and in rest, you will be saved. But you're saying, no, we, we will we'll just try harder. We'll go faster. He said, well, then you'll just be pursued faster to the point that you become so anxious and fearful that one person coming against you will make a thousand people scattered. You ever reach that point where just the smallest thing in life just sends us over the edge into anxiety and worry? That's where they're at. But we read on, and it says in, in verse 18, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And in verse 20, it says, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or you turn to the left. 
Then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things and you'll say to them, be gone. That is the point that we want to reach, the point where we remove idols from our life, where we put God in the proper place in control of our life that he should be. But notice how we get there. It wasn't in trying harder. No, it was in rest and in returning to God. That's so often the opposite of the way we think it should be. But when we return to God, when we get our priorities straight and we're able to rest in him, then we lose our perceived need for these other things in our life. And we're able to put our life into the right priority again. So first we see that Jacob removed these idols from his household, but we also see that Jacob worships. And one of the, when we think, we talk about worship, we often think about singing, which is a great, very powerful way that we worship God. But, but worship is really any sort of act or expression of reverence and love for God. And we see in, in Genesis 35, after God calls Jacob to, uh, to come back to Bethel, he says to his family and all of his household very publicly, then let us arise and go up to Bethel, Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Jacob proclaims these truths about God, that God has been faithful to him, that God has always been there to him. He proclaims them publicly for all of his family and his household to hear. And when we worship, it has a profound impact on us. When we remember who God is, it, it transforms us and it leaves us with a heart that is full of gratitude for God. We see this in many places throughout the scripture, but I want to read a couple verses from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, that really show how, how even using God's word in worship to God can bring remembrance to us and can bring our minds back to God. In Psalm 103, in verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Again, we see this remembering of God and everything that he's done for us turning into a renewal. And as Jacob prepares his heart for this meeting with God, he worships, he proclaims truth about God, he remembers what God has done for him, and it helps prepare uh, his heart. Now, I didn't grow up with, uh, with a lot of, of catechisms in the way that, that some higher churches do, but I, I've come across some um, in recent years that it have been so, so great and helpful, but also a lot of really good, rich worship songs do this as well. When you listen to it, when you, when you sing it, 
it reminds us of who God is, of what he has done. And even saying it aloud, getting it back into our minds and meditating on it truly helps us come back to God and be renewed, to think correct thoughts about God and correct thoughts about the things that are going on in our life. So we see that that Jacob prepares to meet God by removing these idols and by worshiping. And lastly, I want to see today that that God reaffirms his faithfulness to Jacob. Of these three points, two of them really are things that God is doing. And I think that that is, is being true to this passage, this work of God. Yes, Jacob makes the trip and, and he offers these sacrifices to God. And then God appears to Jacob again. And nothing really new or revolutionary happens when Jacob goes to Bethel. There is no spiritual magic in this place called Bethel. But when Jacob comes back and he remembers what God has done for him, God appears to him and God renews these promises to him again. Jacob had had many shortcomings in between that first time when God met with him in Bethel and the second time where God has called him back again. But nothing has changed in God's mind. God has been faithful to Jacob throughout this whole period of time. In a couple chapters back, when Jacob was wrestling with God, at the end of that interaction, God renames Jacob and says that no longer will he be called Jacob, but his name will now be Israel. And there's a lot of different ideas of of what the full interpretation of the, the word or name Israel is. But the part that's unmistakable is that the last part of the name Israel, El, is shorthand for the name of God, Elohim. And God has actually placed his name onto Jacob. God reiterates this here in this chapter, that he has, his name is still called Israel. In Isaiah 43 and verse 1, we see how this renaming uh, went all the way through, even to Jacob's descendants in the times that they failed God. In Isaiah 43 and verse 1, it says, But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. God's faithfulness to Israel is not based on their performance. It is based on his promises to them. The fact that he has redeemed them and chosen them and placed his name upon them. And just like God reminds Jacob of this, that his future is secure because of God's faithfulness and not because of his own. We remember that Jesus' death is the payment for our sin and, and his resurrection that defeated death itself causes our future to be secure as well. You know, if you've seen the news lately, all of the turmoil that's going on around the world, or if you're following the economy or feeling the effects of the economy, or even just looked at at local news and things that are happening. There's a lot of bad news, and there's a lot of things that that could cause us to to worry about our future. In his book, The Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard wrote that Jesus brings us the assurance 
that the universe is a perfectly safe place for us to be. And that is sort of a strange statement when you first hear it, especially thinking about children and the world that they're going to grow up in. But really, it's just another way of saying what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16 and verse 33. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. It is going to happen. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus has already overcome the world. He has overcome death and every obstacle and tribulation that we will ever face. And even though we are going to go through many hard things just like Jacob did, he, our future in Christ is secure. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross is the payment for your sins, just like God reached out to Jacob, Jesus is reaching out to us today and he calls us to come to himself so that he can give us the forgiveness of sin when we place our faith in him. For those of us that, that are believers that have placed our faith in Christ, are we living our, our daily and, and weekly lives with God in his strength, on his timing, at his pace, or are we pushing on week after week with an empty soul, not taking that time for renewal with God? God is reaching out to us, as we've seen today. We can rest in the fact that he is working, and we can enter into that rest with him and that work with him. We can also, we can rid idols of our, in our lives, and we can set our priorities so that God is in the place that he should be, and we can remove all the anxiety and, and worry that comes along with that. We can be reminded of God's faithfulness and power, just like God reminded and reiterated these promises and assurances to Jacob. These are some of the ways that, that we can enter into rest with God. There's you know, many more practical ways that I won't get into today, but I want us to think as we, as we take some of this higher level uh, thoughts about spiritual renewal and, and try to apply it to our lives this week, what are some of the ways this week that we can experience renewal from God? One, one thing that I was thinking through is, is the, the question that we can ask ourselves. I feel closest to God when... When what? What is it that reading the Bible, that's, that's a great one. Taking not just a, a few minutes in the morning while we're eating our breakfast and spilling our coffee to you know, read through our, our Bible reading plan for the day, but to really take some time to read God's word and then listen afterwards to what God has for us from his word. If the place that we feel closest to God is... Uh, watching the sunset on a beach in Florida, that's probably not going to help us this next week unless you have a trip planned to Florida this week. And if that's the case, good for you. But for the rest of us that are going to be here, I've even been thinking, you know, some of the things that, that I do in the summer, walking outside and, and praying, it doesn't work so well in the winter months. Instead of just having a leisurely uh, walk of, in prayer with God, it's my shoulders are kind of hunched and I'm, you know, just thinking about how cold it is. And maybe some of the things that, that work in, 
in our time in life before we have kids maybe aren't working so well now. So what are some of the things that, that we can do to have this time of rest? It may look different than what we had done before. And instead of just thinking about what we used to do, we can pray and ask God to call us into new disciplines in our life that we can have to share this time with him and to experience his renewal. God is reaching out to us, inviting us to experience this gracious work of renewal. No matter what we're going through, no matter where we're at in our spiritual walk of faith, our future is secure in God, and God longs to restore our soul. So how will we respond to this invitation to come back to Bethel and be renewed? Let me pray for us that, that we will respond well uh, today. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for, for who you are, for your goodness and your mercy for us that is new every morning, your grace towards us that, that we experience. And Lord, we just confess how, how often we, we get busy and life just, we let life crowd you out and we go on week after week without having this time of renewal with you, Lord. I pray that, um, that you would help us, show us ways that we can spend this time with you that is so necessary. Lord, I know that none of us is going to get any more time this next week. So Lord, I pray that you would help us. Whatever those, those idols of, of time are in our lives that, that we are prioritizing over you, I pray that you would show those to us, Lord, that you would help us to overcome those so that we can truly have uh, this time of renewal with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.